Welcome to Fumpale Podcast, where we are unpacking opinions and changing destinations. I am your host, Shirley Altidore, where each week we will chat about how to rise strong out of all types of obstacles that come with relationships. Through personal life experiences and discussions ranging from infidelity, trust, forgiveness, sex, heartbreak, self-love, and so much more. I am passionate and obsessed to provide guidance to every woman to create a better life. Let's dive in, pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. With me, your virtual girlfriend. another episode of Fumpale Podcast. And today we have a special guest with us today for story time. We have Susie and Susie is a self-help author of 100 Days of Positivity, Hope and Growth and 100 Days of Healing from Heartbreak. She is on a mission to help anyone on a self-development journey to keep going through the tough times and is here to remind you that it's okay to have bad days. It doesn't mean you have to give up. Her books give you the support, guidance, and comfort to help you through any tough day. Welcome to the show, Susie. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. I appreciate you being a guest. So if you can add on to your bio and tell the people who you are a little more if you'd like. Yeah, so um, I would describe myself as just your average girl, just someone who wants to do something she loves when she wakes up in the morning and feel that fulfillment in life and achieve those goals, kind of like a lot of people out there. And uh, I have now got to the point where I feel I have mastered within my mind Mm -hmm. how to do that and stay consistent. Because for years, I was the type of person who would have a goal and say, I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to do this today. And within a few months um, after putting everything into it, I would give up and this cycle would just go on and on. So I'm really here to help other people stay consistent towards what they want so that they can actually get it and enjoy it and enjoy life. And feel happier. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> All right. So, Susie, you're going to start off with your story. And again, you're going to have the mic. So we're ready Great. when you are. So for me, um, something that's really important when you do have something in mind that you want and you want to go for it is to make sure that you have done the inner work. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is because for a very long time, I would call myself a late bloomer or a late developer in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so stuck and so blind or I, I wouldn't even say blind. I think I would hide away from the inner work and the inner healing that I needed to do within myself. Mm-hmm. And that was why I could never progress. That was why even though I really wanted something, I would somehow self-sabotage and... I would um, give up and convince myself that, you know, I made the right choice. And it wasn't until I got to the age of 32 Mm -hmm. and I had a a bad breakup. I had just moved home um, unexpectedly uh, due to this breakup uh, from living in Vancouver and loving life over there. And yeah, I just looked at my life and thought, I'm so miserable. I'm so unhappy and I feel as though I've not contributed to anything and that if I was to die tomorrow, and this is words I said to my friend, mm-hmm. what will what will I have done? What will I leave behind? Um, I felt so unimportant and so I just felt worthless, really, mm-hmm. uh, for lack of a better term, in every way. And it was in this moment that I decided enough was enough. I was going to stop ignoring that inner wound that was clearly holding me back from my own potential and get some help. So I went to see a hypnotherapist to help me deal with the subconscious mind and why I couldn't stay positive. And um, for those listening out there, please know that I was always the most positive person you'd ever meet. All my friends would say, you're so big on it. You always look on the bright side. And I practiced it for years. I read The Secret years ago and I understood the principles and I really believed it. The problem wasn't being positive on the outside and doing all my gratitudes and affirmations and, you know, looking at the happy things that have happened. Mm -hmm. That I could do. The issue was that within myself, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't feeding in. It wasn't working. And Mm -hmm. I actually said this to my hypnotherapist. 
on the outside I know how to do all the work but something's going on inside and I need you to fix it inside because I can't get in there <laughs> at the time I didn't even connect that it is an inner child wound or an inner wound that needs healing but mm -hmm. that was essentially what I was asking her for so after doing all the work I I really improved within about three months mm -hmm. I was back on track and I'd set some new goals you know even just a goal of getting out of bed and not feeling like I just hated my life was a goal. I managed to succeed at that and, you know, wake up and actually feel like I have purpose and start to enjoy life again and accept the circumstances that I had kind of landed myself in. Mm -hmm. uh, so things were going really great until one day I had a really, really bad emotional setback where I was really anxious about having to speak to my new manager about something. Mm -hmm. She wanted to have a meeting with me the next day. And my anxiety got so bad that it ruined a day that I had planned with my friend. We were mm -hmm. going for breakfast and then going for shopping and had this, you know, the night before, as most people do, is they get excited about mm -hmm. their plans the next day and what they're going to do and how fun it's going to be. And my whole day and my whole night was ruined by it to the point where I, I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't relax because I felt like I had those awful butterflies in my stomach. My heart was pounding. I just couldn't relax, all because I was worried. And I was so upset with myself. I just felt like I'd... all that work that I'd done in three months, I had basically thrown in the bin. Mm -hmm. It was, I'd wasted all that time and I hadn't actually progressed and I hadn't actually healed or, you know, the work was a waste. Uh, so I ended up, I don't know why, decided to do a meditation to try and just take my mind off it. Mm -hmm. And when I came out of this meditation, something just told me to instinctually I just instinctually grabbed my laptop and started typing mm -hmm. and what I started typing was don't let the what if devil um what was it don't listen to the what if devil he doesn't have your back and at the time I didn't know this but this was going to be one of the chapters or one of the quotes from my book and what I wrote underneath it was the solution to my problem which was that I was worrying about something that may or may not happen mm -hmm. and I was letting that consume my present moment and that time I would never get back again so mm -hmm. after I wrote the first page I just felt so much better I had actually given myself the advice that I really wanted somebody else to give me and from that another five pages just came out of nowhere and that's what inspired me to write the book was that I remember sitting back right in this space actually thinking other people need to know this. Other people that are on this journey need to know that it's okay if you have a day where you're not feeling good and you feel as though things aren't going well or you're back to the start again. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you are, but also people need something out there that is going to give them that instant comfort, instant guidance that isn't too much to read. Because I have a lot of self-help books and I did try to look at them and cheer myself up, but mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you, a lot of them are filled with so much jargon to bulk up a chapter that you never really get that guidance instantly. Whereas the, this book that I've written is just quick and to the point. You literally have one page of guidance there for that problem. And what it's meant to do is just help you to feel better mm -hmm. because we're all about energy and we're all made up of energy. So every time you are feeling low or feeling negative and you emit that, you attract more of it back. So this is there to help you to pull up that energy and feel a more positive feeling so that you can try and find a solution or even try and relax from whatever it is that you're worrying about. So that's kind of my my journey and since then I have managed to stay consistent and work towards everything else. So yeah, it's to help other people do the same because once you do it once, it gets so much easier and then that's when you start to really tap into your own potential of what you can do. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Now I had a question for you, a few questions from what you said. Mm -hmm. So you said you had a bad breakup at the age of 32. You were living in Vancouver, Canada at the time? Mm -hmm. Got it. Now, side note, where is your accent from? I'm fascinated. Oh, 
<laughs> I'm from I'm from Scotland. I uh, yes, that's what so, it sounded like. I'm like, okay, she's saying Vancouver, Canada, but that accent sounds like she <laughs> is from Scotland. So I was right. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm assuming when did you leave Scotland to go to Canada? Was it for the breakup or did you go to school? No, so I just moved for a work experience, just oh, for fun. And my brother lives in Vancouver, so okay. I had went out on a holiday to visit him, and then I fell in love with it. Gotcha. So my ex, who I actually have forgotten about now, I, the only time he comes up is when I tell this story. It's Got I'm so it. over it. I, well, that's it's, good. It's amazing that feeling. That's yeah, good. it's great. Um, it was almost just like uh, this. He had to I had to date him in order for this to happen. Mm-hmm. Um. But we were doing long distance because he was back in the UK and he was in England. Oh, so okay. I had never actually planned to move back to Scotland. So what had happened was we had planned, I'd planned to move down to England and just start a life there mm-hmm. and just leave Vancouver behind. And mm-hmm. about two weeks before I was meant to get on my flight, mm-hmm. um, he ended it unsus- um, unexpectedly and very suddenly with no real explanation. So at this point, I am... Um, Two weeks before I need to go on a flight, I've just given up my job, I've given up my apartment, and um, I haven't filled out a visa to try and extend my visa because my visa was going to run out in about five months. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, it's just too much. So I thought, I'll just go home. I'll just go home. So at the time, because there wasn't so much shock and like there was a lot going on, I didn't have much time to think. So it wasn't until I got home and I was in Scotland for about two weeks that's when it really hit rock bottom for me where mm. I was like what am I doing here why am I back here like two weeks ago I was having happy hour in Cactus Club oh. in Vancouver one of the most amazing cities ever and I'm stuck here single alone um with no job and back in a place I promised myself I would never come back to so it was a really it was a really really tough time and I'm sure and I know people go through much worse but just for me where I'd gotten to in life I was so disappointed you know we all have this I think it's kind of drilled into a lot of us especially coming from an Asian family where you need to get married you need to have kids and I'm like way past that age now I'm 35 this year you know I'm not past the age of getting married I mean if Meghan Markle can do it at 36 I'm good but (laughs) for a lot of people out there there's that stigma and there's that pressure so yeah I just felt like the biggest failure in life gotcha so I want to add yes you are right most families even me as a black woman I was raised Haitian and that's what most families already especially I feel like they're little girls you need to grow up you need to go to school you need to find a man you need to get married you need to have children and that's what it is for most girls. I feel like especially girls because boys are not told like that. You, um, it's a little different for them. Um, but for most women or little girls growing up, that's how it is. Uh, yeah. This is what you need to do. Of course, I didn't go down that path. We bought a house, had children, and we've been together for 23 years and we're still not legally married. There was a time where I didn't even feel confident enough to say it because society always like, do you want to get married? Why aren't you married? Well, when are you going to marry him? Well, why does it matter now what I say? Does it affect you in any way? I mean, I know you want to ask, so I'll answer your question. But Getting married right away was something I was interested in, but it wasn't at the top of my to-do list. What was at the top of my to-do list was to make sure I was okay and I wanted children. So regardless if I was not married, I knew I wanted to have children. So I had set a date for myself and I said, if I don't have children by the time I'm 30, I'm going to the sperm bank. Wow. And that's amazing though. Yeah. Like, but it's hard as a woman if you set that type of goal it's like, oh, you're kind of looked at a little strange you're going to the sperm bank. Why aren't you married? Why aren't you in a relationship? Why aren't you doing it? Don't worry about what I'm doing. Okay? I'm gearing my own path, not the path that society thinks is good for me. So, you absolutely. are not a failure. And do you see Eve, the rapper? She just got pregnant at 42. I don't know if you know who she is. But 40s like yeah. the new age for people to get pregnant now, girl, it's never too late. I love it. I love it. I mean, that's something else I'm a big advocate for is never settling for less than you deserve because yeah. I'll tell you. I know the reason I'm so single is because I'm holding out for what I deserve, and there's so many people that are stuck in relationships. 
that they're unhappy in. And what I say to them is, number one, when you're stuck in this relationship, you're spending less time being with the right person. Mm -hmm. And number two, you could actually be holding back this person that you're with from who they're meant to be with. Exactly. You know, um, so yeah, no, I do think that everybody has their own time where they kind of come into things and where things sort of fall into place for them and um, it shouldn't have to fall into what society thinks is acceptable. Exactly. You're right. You're right. Now, you mentioned that, how long were you in this relationship for? First question. Oh, um... I want to say like a year or two. Okay, so we'll say a year and a half-ish. Yeah. And what you're telling me is two weeks before you were going to get on your flight to UK, this person made a phone call to you. Was it a phone call or was it an email? Uh, oh, no, it was like FaceTime. God, let me think FaceTime. now. FaceTime. Honestly, I'm... I know, you've I've erased that. It's like, okay, it's yeah, in the I'm back like, who portion. Who is this person again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm actually trying to forget it because now when I look back, I'm like, what were you thinking? If I could uh, go back to myself two years ago and slap myself, I would. You would? <laughs> um, just because when I think about it, I was so unhappy and deep down uh, I knew it. Okay. Uh, but I just did, I wasn't so unhappy. I just knew I was settling. I was definitely settling. So you and, um, But I was doing it because, again, I was at that age and I thought, how am I going to meet anyone else now? Seems like a nice guy. Uh, you know, at the time, I just thought, this is where my life's meant to go. But now I step away from it. I'm so grateful it didn't. Um, but yeah, it was, we had an argument over something very, very silly. I can't even remember what it was. Mm-hmm. And then because of the time difference, we went to sleep. And when I woke up, phone the next day and then he was just yeah like I'm done I don't want to be with you and yeah I was kind of shocked at the time but I also said um you know there's no going back from this I'm not coming back from this like if this is it this is it which it was and I have to say within about I don't even think a week I think literally three days I already knew I didn't want him back I was just more angry at the way that things had gone down so it wasn't I never had that missing feeling, never had that longing feeling, or even even when you romanticize the past, I never did any of that. Okay. I was just angry and probably more upset with how I was treated mm-hmm. rather than feeling like I'd lost that person. Gotcha. So, yeah, it was um, so, different. <laughs> so it's interesting. You know, my counselor, um, hubby and I, we had went to counseling. Um, and he said something very interesting to me. My counselors, they're a marriage, uh, they're a husband and wife group. So I see them as like my big brother and big sister. And he said something to me one time. And of course, at the time he said it to me, I was upset and I wanted to punch him in his face. And I can say that because he's like a big brother to me. He says, so you want Khalif, who is my hubby, to do something that you're not even strong enough to do yourself. And when I hear you say that, it seems like that's what the same thing ended up happening to you. You're telling me you knew something was not aligning right. You knew you were not happy. You knew like you were just settling. Instead of a relief being taken off of you, you were actually a little upset when he broke it off, which is really, truly deep down inside. You wanted that. Yeah, I think I hadn't quite come to terms with that being what I'd wanted because what I wanted was this marriage, house, mm-hmm. kids, you know, relationship and that he represented that. Mm-hmm. What I didn't come to terms with that, I didn't want it with him. Yeah. I didn't know that yet. So I think that's where the shock was because there was still that part of me, maybe the ego part or the, the part that had... Um, that was looking at this big picture, um, didn't see, hey, this this guy's not for you. Uh, so that was where the shock came from and <laughs> obviously the image going away. But what I also think as well is, and I always refer to the universe because I just think there is a sort of higher power out there. Not quite sure what it is. But I believe the there's a higher power. For. And when you won't walk away from something that you're supposed to, the universe makes it happen for you. Oh, definitely. And I think that that's, 
that's what happened with me then, which I'm so thankful for. Definitely. I totally agree with you. Um, I definitely believe in there's a higher power. Um, I like what you said. You said the quote of don't listen to the word of the devil. Is that what exactly you said? Um, the what if devil. So the, the what? The what, the, uh, what if. So oh. the what if devil is like, I always picture it as this little devil uh-huh. on your shoulder mm-hmm. saying, what if this happens? Mm. What if you do this and then that happens? What if it goes wrong? Mm-hmm. What if you lose everything? What if? So that is the what if devil for me. He's just that guy out there who's putting fear into you to stop you from doing anything and making you feel bad. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. So now you have are doing very well from that relationship to the point where it is it is a small piece of your mind and you only remember it when you have to share your story. So you did say you went to hypnotherapy. What made you tap into hypnotherapy? Why hypnotherapy? And before you answer that, how long did it take you to find another job? Did you end up staying in Scotland? I'm still in Scotland just now. Okay. Um, Yeah, it took me a month. Okay. I think to find a job. I'm no longer in that job. It's been it's been a about a year and a bit now. But because mm-hmm. of COVID, it, COVID really kind of changed things. Spanner in the works <laughs> for some plans to move anywhere. So I'm currently here, um, but in a much better place than I was probably two years ago, uh, mentally, emotionally, and everything. And the reason that I went to a hypnotherapist is because personally because my brother had told me for years you go therapy it's really good blah 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 because he's Uh in vancouver so he's you know the u.s is very big on that whereas over in the uk it's not as i mean it is probably more now but it's still not as common Mm -hmm. as it is in the u.s so i just because i'd read the secret and because i was always very positive on the outside i didn't want to just tell someone my feelings and when i thought about just therapy um you know, just talking about my feelings, it's not what I wanted. I actually went into my hypnotherapist with a list um, and I basically said to her, I've been practicing everything I usually do to make me feel better and get over breakups and pick myself back up because I've done it quite a few times now and for some reason it's not working. I just don't feel it on the inside and I used mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, work on the outside to get into the inside but it's not working. So I need you to help me find out what's going on in the inside and mm-hmm. I literally said this to her, um so our very first session was a lot more advanced than maybe what some people go through because she said that you're already quite clued up on the subconscious minds and an energy and thoughts and things so we got to work very very quickly because I understood it all she didn't have to teach me anything or show me I was just I was ready for it I'm like just put me under (laughs) and give me the work to do (laughs) yeah uh so it was a very quick process, I think, yeah, three months, if that, and after every session, and we only did three or four sessions. Mm-hmm. I think that's all we did. So the first session was really to help me relax, and mm-hmm. then the second one, she gave me a meditation to do, and I was to listen to it every night, and it was about reprogramming your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just go into my subconscious through this meditation imagery and rewrite my story. So we did that, and then I think we had another follow-up session, which was sort of delved a bit into more family issues and maybe what inner childhood wounds I had. There was the relationship with my dad. So we did that, and then I think we had a fourth session, which, again, we did some work on. And I didn't speak to her again until lockdown when I was stuck in the house with all my family Uh. and really struggling. So we did some work through that, and it was more about really healing that inner child um within because that is when you can get into what is going on in there and when you understand it you understand why you react to certain things more emotionally and maybe in a way that you kind of step back after it and think why did I do that or Mm -hmm. why was I so upset Mm -hmm. when you can understand that it's actually an inner childhood wound or trauma that has happened when you were younger that has attached itself um, and that what is what dictates how you react to similar situations now. When you know that and when you can clear that and unstick from it, that's when you really begin to heal and you can actually surpass that or stop self-sabotaging or stop getting 
overly emotional or overly upset or angry at things that really don't have to bother you anymore. You're absolutely right. You know, the adults that we are today is based on the children that we were and what we experienced and what we, the experiences that we went through. And subconsciously, I realized many of us, you don't know how many people I have interviewed that had said the same thing. It's that inner child. What happened to you as a child is what forms and creates the adult that you are today. And when you get older and you start realizing, oh my gosh, this is, no, this is not good. Now you have to reprogram that brain that was programmed in you since you were a child Mm -hmm. and all the issues that you went through as a child and certain things like I can even see myself like my mother was a bit disrespectful to my father and men always need to feel wanted and men need to feel needed. My father, my mother used to consistently let my father know, I don't need you. You could go in any time. Fuck you. And as I got older, I did the same thing, not even realizing it. And it wasn't until I started to go to therapy, I realized, oh, my God, I'm doing the same shit I did not want to do that my mother was saying to my father. And look what I'm doing to this man. Uh, You know, I thank my parents all the time for how much they mess me up because there's so much work to do now. (laughs) You know, I'm like, cheers, guys. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just you know what I mean uh, I only when you yeah for I I totally get it like for me it was a lot of self-worth and uh-huh. confidence so uh-huh. I'd learned from a very young age how to fake it fake the confidence uh-huh. on the outside and be the person you thought people wanted you to be um but deep inside I was a big old mess mm-hmm. I hated myself and it was actually tied to my weight and it was because from a very young age, I was told I was fat. Was, was it from fat. your was father just... telling you that? Is that? Um, no. So it was actually from like uncles, uh, distant relatives. And from my dad, it... he, he never ever told me I was fat. But whenever it was addressed, rather than telling me I'm so young, I'm beautiful the way I am, I should love myself. And if I want to you know, take care of myself and do it healthily, um, he would encourage it by maybe buy me like a one of those um, indoor cycle things mm. or low fat treats, you know. So it was instilling that message. He didn't del- directly say to me I was fat, mm-hmm. but he would almost confirm the message and instill yeah. that in me by helping me rather than say, fuck these people, don't listen yeah. to them. Yeah you know, you're amazing and beautiful the way you are. Um, he was like, all right, uh, they said that, right, okay, we'll, we'll help you sort that out. So um, that's been a very, very big thing. And I still get a lot of coaching done now. So I have a life coach now, mm-hmm. amazing guy I've been working with for about nine months. And we've really actually uncovered a lot of deep, deep childhood wounds that I didn't even realize I was still emotionally affected by. Mm-hmm because um, I'm doing so much better now but there was one in particular which really really sticks in my mind and it was I, I've got this very all or nothing attitude so I'm either all in on eating healthy and getting fit and working towards my goals or I am all out where I will lounge all day watch Netflix do absolutely nothing when I could do it I have the time to do it mm-hmm. Um, so I, I realized this and I didn't like this about myself because even though I was staying consistent I was having maybe two days of the week where I wasn't and I wanted to sort of break that habit. Mm-hmm. And we found out that this all or nothing was actually tied to the fact that I used to, I went through all the sort of things that, you know, when you're young and you're trying to lose weight. And Were you bulimic? About it. Uh, yes, for a bit I was. Um, I just found out a few weeks ago that it was my brother that realized that I was doing, I was you know, making myself sick after I'd have dinner. And my mum confronted me about it. And I think she threatened me with something stupid, like, I'm not going to take you to cheerleading practice anymore. Oh, or gosh. Dance or whatever. <laughs> so um, I was like, right, fine, I'll stop. Because I really wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And what it actually led to was I stopped eating. And 
I was very fortunate that I didn't get to a very unhealthy weight, but Mm -hmm. it just affected me more mentally Mm -hmm. where I was at a birthday party. It was like my cousin's birthday party. And there was loads of treats out. Like we had everything, cake, sandwiches, crisps, sweets, the lot, pastries, everything. And I remember feeling really miserable there because I'd started my diet and I wasn't going to eat. I was just going to have dinner. I was going to have one meal a day. I don't even think that it was that, but it was something like that. I just decided I wasn't going to eat. And I remember seeing this Costco pastry and really wanting to eat it and not knowing what to do because everyone around me is having fun eating what they want, not mm-hmm. having to worry about getting skinny because I'm ugly until I'm skinny. This was the belief this that I had. This is your mind. Mm-hmm. And I remember taking bites of this pastry, chewing it, and then just spitting it back onto a piece of tissue. So I would chew my food and spit it out to try and get that taste feeling and you know, feel like I'm eating without actually having to eat. And it wasn't until we went back into that memory, because I've told this to people before, like I've told my friends or like mm-hmm. when it's, we've said it in passing, even telling you now, I can tell it without any emotion. But when I went into the kind of meditative state and went back to that memory on a more relaxed state, before I could even explain to my coach what was going on visually in my head, I broke down. Mm, started and crying. Yeah, really, really hysterically because... And he was like, why, what's what's going on? And I was looking at myself thinking this girl is all alone and no one even knows what is going on. No one even mm. notices that she is suffering right now. And I think that had a lot to do with my self-esteem and not feeling good enough or not thinking anybody would love me the way that I wanted to be loved, like things like that. So yeah, there's a that's just one, but that was a very, very... Mm-hmm very strong bond I think um but since we've worked on it things are a lot better yeah that's good (laughs) but that's where it all started like that's where it all started from people calling you fat your father encouraging it not even realizing not verbally encouraging but hey drink some low-fat milk you know something like that buying you the cycle and then that got worse as you got older because now you were bulimic and did it I guess it turned to anorexia I'm not quite sure how it works or does it go into both or you predominantly one more than the other I wouldn't like to term myself with either okay so specifically because Uh I I didn't do it like prolonged um it was probably my weight thing's always been in my head um but the you know with the eating because the thing is i love my food i absolutely love it so it was a real struggle um so i wouldn't class myself as either i would say that i did parts of it got it i got you i understand i understand Um, what you mean i never suffered from bulimia and anorexia but i've interviewed enough people to understand an underline of how it's working and it's interesting you said that i would chew my food just to savor the the taste just to savor mm-hmm. it and literally spit it back out so you were pretty much kind of manipulating your mind to say i'm gonna fool you to think that we're going to eat but i'm not swallowing this shit <laughs> yeah and this is how the all or nothing came about because i was either always on a, I was on a diet and i was having nothing or i was gonna have a binge because i deserved it oh my gosh so this is how the kind of really unhealthy eating habits started Mm -hmm. rather than just eat in moderation if i want a treat i'll have one i would be on a diet on a diet for maybe like a week of not eating much and then i'd get to the the weekend or a day where no one was in the house and i would say i'll just have one packet of crisps or chips as you'd call them Mm -hmm. and it would never just be one packet and then i'm like oh well i've started now i might as well just have a day off and then the cycle would start and then i'd feel horrible about myself uh, beat myself up mentally and then I'd have to start the cycle all over again where I would cut back on my food or you know I'd, I stopped eating you know like when you get a juicy steak and you get mm-hmm. that like really nice fatty bit when it goes crispy <laughs> I used to love that I stopped eating that so um, I loved chicken thighs but I would eat the breast because I knew that it was just silly things like that I where see. now you can make it as a healthy choice but I would cut back or you know less butter or no butter just yeah being being 12 
years old. That was old when you were 12? Yeah, I was young when it, yeah, oh I was well, really young when it started. But typically, yeah, that's typically most bulimic or anorexia issues do start at that young tender age. 12 right before you get your period or you got your period right before you enter into that teenage world that's so young to put your mind through that like just eat honey it's fine you know (laughs) it's like you kind of lose your childhood a bit because all you're worrying about is um i used to look at magazines and this is another thing as well is i didn't know that um magazines airbrushed Oh yes. So I always I didn't know this when I was when I was twelve I did not know right we didn't have intern we didn't have I think internet was just coming out then. We're about the out. same age, um, so I understand. I'm thirty eight. So when yeah. magazines were big when we were younger, uh-huh. of course now every, there's the internet that it went from magazines to the internet. But that's what we had to look at when we were younger yeah. were the magazines, and I didn't know uh-huh. until I got. A young teenager, same like you, that, oh, these pictures are slightly modified. This is not their true shape or true body. Yeah. I didn't know until probably about six, no, even less than that, five years ago. Ah. That's how long. I, I didn't know. I didn't know people used Facetune on Instagram. Like, it wasn't until my friend said, because I didn't use Instagram much ah. back then. And my friend said to me, yeah, get Facetune. It smooths out your face. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh. I, I genuinely didn't know. Like, so naive to it. Um, so I used to always look at these magazines of people and um, try to get as skinny as them and wonder how their body shape goes like that. And then after that, when I hit puberty, my skin got really bad. And I would look at these magazines and think, I want skin like that. How do I get it? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it just. It's a, it you know, was a circulating way. problem after problem. First, it was the weight. Now you've gone, you got your period and now you're going through acne. Now this is another thing you have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, the life of a girl. All the while trying to be a teenager <laughs> mm-hmm. and trying to like get through school, meet a boy you like, like all this stuff. It was, it almost felt like because I worried so much about my weight, there was a lot I didn't get. Not I didn't get to enjoy, but there was a lot that I could have enjoyed a lot more. Yeah. And I know my story is not the saddest, but it's definitely... No, don't um, say that. Everyone's story is unique. Everyone's story is unique because everyone's story applies to them, you know, and someone is going to resonate from what you have gone through that has gone through a similar situation that is definitely like, oh my God, if Susie got through it, I can get through it. You know, and in your story, you have so many different things that you've touched on your breakup. There might be someone right now going through the same exact thing. Like, I don't feel fulfilled. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> you know, so your story is going to encourage someone. Don't say that. Everyone's story is unique. Oh, and I think you, because I've thought about that for years. Oh, my story is just my story. Who's gonna? But you don't know how many people will tell me like, oh, my God, it hit home. I was going through a very similar situation. Oh. Everyone's story is unique, Susie. No, thank you. See, that's still a little bit of that self-worth <laughs> thing coming out. I'll, I'll get on the phone to my coach after this call. I need a sesh. <laughs> We're not quite there yet. <laughs> Healing doesn't stop. Trust me. Even me, I go through oh, through it. Healing is consistent. And this is what I always try to tell my listeners. You're not like fixed. There's no perfection no. here. We are consistently, every day we wake up, every week that goes by, every month, we are constantly doing the work. It's not just at a snap of a finger, you read one book and, oh, that's it. I'm healed. No. (laughs) (laughs) So, right. I say it all the time. I always say, like, the healing journey never ends. So if you've not started it yet, have some fun before you get started because you're in for a treat when you do. Absolutely. It is worth it, though. Yeah, very worth it. Yeah, once you get over one sort of hurdle, it feels amazing well the thing is it's like you feel like you've grown and you've evolved mm-hmm. and you have yes and then it hits you again it and that, you again. that happened for me after i launched the first book uh-huh. um i hit another thing i think i had another breakup yeah i did actually oh. it's another breakup right oh it was fine um that's what inspired the second book healing from heartbreak because again i had these goals i want to 
be like a best-selling author and mm-hmm. do all this stuff and then all of a sudden this hit and I, I struggled to stay consistent with all that because I was dealing with this so that inspired the second one um so again grateful for that but uh yeah it's it's never ending it's never ending but the good thing is is you can take that negative situation that happens and turn it into a positive there's always going to be triggers always going to be triggers and the triggers may not be triggers that i may not be able to understand because again susie it is not my story what triggers you is not going to trigger me we're going to have different triggers you know, and triggers aren't going to stop. It could be you could be in a coffee shop and someone says something randomly that you may not even freaking know. And you're like, hmm, bring something back. <laughs> you don't know when these triggers are going to hit. <laughs> it would be nice I if we know. knew ahead of time and then we can implement all our tools from all our work and right. our therapy and be like, OK, the trigger's coming. But you don't know. And then the trigger no. hits you like boom. And you're like, oh, shit. Now, OK, what do I need to do? What do I have to do? Do I go into my meditation? This is what ends up happening oh. to me. I know. Well, for me, it's like, God, we're here again. Yes. Again. Uh, what? <laughs> but uh, what I will say, though, is like it actually happened to me last month. I had another, I was triggered by something. It was mm-hmm. by um, a really horrible manager in work, to be oh. honest. Oh, she was horrible. I've never met someone so horrible. But I know, and I knew inside it was because she's unhappy in herself and she's insecure. But I was so mad about it and it still affected me. And I remember going to my coach, right, I think I know what the problem is. I don't care what people think, but I really care what people do. Mm. And really it bothers me that she's not a nice person. And it angers me to the point where I get worked up, even if she's cruel to someone else and it's not me. And that was basically a sign probably from the universe mm-hmm. to say you've still got some more work to do still got and some we more worked work. through it yeah and now it doesn't bother me as much anymore and the That's funny good. thing is is that after i did the work and it, it worked very quickly this time the process uh-huh. didn't take months it like took a week of mm-hmm. the tools that he gave me um she handed in her notice <gasps> and i remember laughing and saying I've obviously learned what was I've I've learned my lesson because um the universe is removing her from my life now. Happy days. So oh, it, what I'm saying is, is that self um, the self development journey is never ending, but it gets easier and it gets quicker the more you it do does. it. So you're right. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're exercising, and you have a goal yep. for your body. It's going to take months of you doing that same routine all the time with slight changes. If you start Monday, this this month, what are we in October? You're not mm-hmm. going to see your results in November. It may be two years of you doing the consistent work before you really truly start seeing your results. And it all depends on too how many times a week are you working out? How intense are you doing it? There's so many factors that are included. Healing is the same thing. How often yep. are you seeing Absolutely. your coach? You know, do you go on a long hiatus and not talk to your coach? All these factors are important. So now I want to segue into some of the topics that we have here. So which one would you like to tap into? I mean, any really. Well, we've got. The <laughs> I'm going to let you start. I'm going to let you start and see. pick. Well, I think what well, we've talked a bit about self development and the mm-hmm. inner work and changing limiting beliefs. So I would actually like to kind of talk about them together and how sure. that ties in with consistency yes because i'm actually writing a book on consistency and just going back to what you were talking about with weight there and, and we've talked about this already but uh i during lockdown like i'm sure a lot of people did i put on a lot of weight during lockdown and i just wasn't <laughs> happy with it um managed to stay consistent and lose lose the weight mm-hmm. and it was the first time i think this is probably the healthiest i've been and what I was going to say there was once you do that and you see the results, mm-hmm. it gets so much easier to stay consistent after that. Um, but with regards to self-development and inner work, the reason why we don't stay consistent to whatever we're doing is not because we're not capable or not because we don't have the ability mentally or physically. It all comes down to your belief mm. within yourself. 
So this is where self-limiting beliefs come in. They're self-limiting because they stop you from doing something that you actually want to do. Um, So going a bit more into the subconscious and conscious mind, consciously, our thoughts, I want to do this, I want to eat healthy, or I want to go for a run in the morning before I start work. All these things we want, we want to do them. And you would think you can easily do something you want to do, but it's actually not all that simple. Because if you're trying to do something that you haven't done before and that is out with your comfort zone, then you're, you're going to struggle. Your body's not going to want to let you do it. Your mind is not going to want to let you do it because the whole reason why our subconscious mind learns all these childhood traumas and how to protect yourself from them or help us react to them in certain ways is because it's trying to protect you from emotional distress mm-hmm. and trying to keep you in that comfort zone so if you have a certain belief about yourself that fits within your comfort zone and anytime you try to change that belief i.e i can't get up an hour early for work in the morning um and do a workout before i start i'm just not that type of person i'm not a morning person that morning belief and um, that full belief is within your comfort zone so then you decide one day to say Actually, I want to get up and go for a run. I want to do this and get my workout done in the morning mm-hmm. so that I can go to work and have everything done and set up the day well. The first time you try to do that, everything in your body is going to want to stop you because it's it involves you coming out of this comfort zone and changing that belief mm-hmm. because your subconscious mind is already thinking, well, Shirley, you are not a morning person. This is what you believe. You can't get up at an hour early. This is what you believe. And now you're trying to get up an hour early. Mm-hmm. This doesn't go in line with our beliefs. This does not match. This isn't right. So then what it tries to do is tell you, make you think that you can't do it. So you'll wake up, oh, I'm too tired today or I had a really busy day yesterday and this is going to be too much for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, even if you went to bed at 8 p.m. to get up at 5 a.m. and you've had all the sleep, everything that you believe deep down is going to want to make sure that you do all that and follow those beliefs in the real world, in your outside world. Um, so in order to stay consistent, you have to change those beliefs. I have a question for you, for our listeners, because this was think, um, going through my head while you were talking. So you were talking mm-hmm. about the limit limiting beliefs, which we all have. And I think you mm-hmm. gave a great example, and we all can understand what you're talking about. You also pointed out staying in your comfort zone. So for me, I... <sighs> I am not consistent in my workout at all. But when I have worked out, what I've realized is I know myself. I know what I'm capable of and what is good for me. And I guess it's all being part of your comfort zone and uh, knowing what you are capable of. I would work out at night. Why? Because Mm -hmm. I always take my shower at night. So I felt like, okay, My day is done. I'm going to now work out to help me decompress for the day. And then once I'm done my workout, I'm going in the shower. For me, I realized that was better for me. And I was more consistent with my workout by doing that as opposed to doing something that I wasn't comfortable with, which means waking up in the morning earlier than I need to, which is a struggle. And it's only a struggle because the bed and the blanket are comfortable. It, that, that's yep. the only struggle. You know, <laughs> The bed and the <laughs> blanket are comfortable. And if I could just get 10, 15, 20, 30 more minutes, it's going to be oh, so astronomical. But it's not. It's just your mind feeding you bullshit. <laughs> but yep. is that a positive or a negative? Or like, is that not a good thing? Because they always say too. Step outside of the comfort zone. Okay, so to answer that question, um, with regards to working out, it it really doesn't matter what time you do. Gotcha. Um, the fact that you do it at night and you're happy with that and you're able to stay consistent with that, that's all that really matters because the whole gotcha. point is to stay consistent. So um, the reason that I use the morning example is because if you turned around and said, actually, I want to get up in the morning because the nighttime workouts I'm not enjoying or I no longer have time for them, but I still want to work out. That would involve you stepping out of the comfort zone um, and you would struggle with that. But being happy with your routine is slightly different. So it's when you want to make a change 
to your life that you're not already doing but you're already doing the workout so that wouldn't really I, I personally wouldn't put those two together it's just I if see. you were to turn around to me and say I want to read a book a week mm -hmm. and you, you you hate reading you I don't like to read I don't have time for it or you're even the belief of I don't have enough time that belief can stop you from doing so much because let's be honest reading books is really great I, there's no harm that came from reading a book that's what people yeah. always say and most people you speak to will say oh I really want to get into reading but I just never have the time but they probably have time to sit on their phone and yeah. watch a couple of Netflix episodes in one night yep. um, so that not having time um, to do that is becomes a belief so if you're wanting to then change that that involves you stepping out of that comfort zone that makes sense. It makes sense for me. It does make Great. sense for me because what I'm doing is I'm implementing it. You know, mm -hmm. it, like you said, it doesn't matter when I choose to exercise. I have made a conscious decision to, to choose that it's better for me to exercise at night. So I'm going to do it at night and at night helps me stay consistent. And as you said, Stepping outside of your comfort zone and what I have told you is not the same thing. And I'm glad you categorized it like that because it makes sense. It's not. Now, if working out at night and you explained it perfectly is not something that I don't want to do or I don't truly have time. So now I have to either choose to do it in the morning or vice versa. It doesn't matter. But it's doing something where you have to step outside of your comfort zone that I guess applies to the limiting belief because how you explained it makes total sense to me. Reading a book, and I like how you gave that example because I had told myself, okay, I need to try to read one book a week. It is a struggle for me. I do have time. That was the word I used to use. Oh my gosh, my days are so long and so busy. <laughs> but as you just said, if I tally up the amount of time I spend on the phone doing non-business stuff it exceeds over an hour it exceeds over an hour so i actually do have time i just need to structure my day a little better and implement that one hour it's not like i need to even if it's 30 minutes but i'm implementing something where i'm stepping outside of my comfort zone that i'm not normally used to because most books can be anywhere i like audible a lot I love Audible. Yes. It's just easier for me. So I realize with most of my Audible books, they're anywhere from eight, from five to eight hours long. Mm -hmm. If you tally that up within seven days, you can easily, with no problem, read a book a week. Easily. Absolutely. Um, I do it on my morning walk to work. Um, just as you were talking about that there, I came up with a much... I'm hoping this makes more sense because it does in my head. Um, essentially coming out of your comfort zone mm -hmm. um, in the simplest form is doing something that you want to do that you're not already doing. Mm. Yeah. Doing something so, that you want to do yeah. that you're not already doing. Because you want to work out, but you are working out just mm -hmm. in the evening. So it doesn't matter when. But if you were wanting to do something completely new mm -hmm. that you hadn't done before, your belief system is going to feel like it's shattered every time you try to do it. It's like, what is going on? This is not us. This is not Shirley. This is not Susie. This is just not who we are. Um, that's the self-limiting belief coming in and trying to self-sabotage. I like that. Doing something that you want to do that you are not already doing categorizes the comfort zone because that's what makes it hard and trying to implement that. Okay. All right. So now as we move forward um, to, any, to any of the other topics that you have that you want to tap into. So we did self-development, as you said, keeping moving forward despite emotional setbacks. We did, I think we did cover the emotional setbacks, right? Heartbreaks and disappointments. Did we cover that? Good. It, we did. Uh-huh. And why it's um, okay to not be okay and why having a bad day doesn't mean you aren't doing well. So tap into that, Susie. Yes. Yeah, so here's the thing. Um, and these are dying now, so oh. I'm going to make this very quick. <laughs> um, so the thing with knowing that you're doing well, just where you are right now, uh, that has a lot to do with not comparing yourself to everybody else. This is something everybody does. We all 
care about what other people think and we worry about how well they're doing and that then causes you to look at your own life and see where your so-called shortcomings are mm-hmm. uh, happens all the time and when that happens that's when you start to think you're not doing good enough uh, that happens the more you believe that you're not doing good enough the more energy you put into that that then can become another negative belief of yours so what i always like to say to people is first of all don't care about what other people are doing don't compare yourself to other people just compare yourself to who you were yesterday and if you have done more than you did yesterday and even if you haven't even if you are still the same know that you are doing the best that you can do there's been days where i have woken up and i've just not felt like doing anything and i've had a list of things that i've wanted to do I've just felt awful for whatever reason if something had happened or if I just didn't get a good night's sleep or whatever it is sometimes Mm -hmm. we just have these emotional days and um I've ended up not doing anything I planned to I used to beat myself up so badly and I would find myself saying god you're useless you can't even do this you're never gonna get anything done and you're never gonna get what you want it just got worse and worse and worse and it spiraled and it wasn't until I learned to assess and be more aware of where I was at that moment in time so if I woke up feeling like I didn't even want to get out of bed and I still managed to get out of bed then I've done better than I thought I could Mm -hmm. and I've done good enough for that day and it's the same for anyone else out there as well if you have done the best that you can do today then that is more than good enough it's amazing don't worry about what everybody else has done today all that matters is that you have done everything that you can today to make it the best that you can and even if it's not a good day it's just one day it is just you don't have to let it let that having one bad day consume the next seven days Mm -hmm. in your life because what's something else we do we focus on the past oh my god i was so bad yesterday i didn't do anything or i didn't eat healthy and i didn't work out so i'm a big fat slob and yep. I just don't do anything. I'm very lazy. And then you end up being lazy for the full seven days. Yep. Um, it's about trying to understand that that is not true for mm-hmm. a start. You're doing great, whatever you are. And also, when you do learn that, it helps you pick yourself up a lot easier. Yeah. Rather than having a setback that lasts three weeks, mm-hmm. it can maybe only last three days. Or... You know, you'll get to the point where your setback will last you like your morning and then you're like, okay, I'm back on it. I'm just going to do a little bit of work today. More than I thought I could this morning, that is good enough. And it's being kind to yourself. We're so unkind to ourselves, but so willing to help others. It's, it's crazy. If we were all kinder to ourselves, we would feel a little better, know that we're good enough and not have so many of these days where, you know, we just make ourselves feel bad for no reason. This is another quote in my book is, um, would you speak to your friends the way you speak to yourself? Half the things we say to ourselves, you would never dream of saying to a friend or anybody, but we do it to ourselves all the time. So be kind whenever you're having a bad day because it's allowed, it's okay. And let me tell you, the people out there who are pretending to be happy all the time on social media are probably the most unhappy. So don't follow them and don't feel guilty whenever they're having the best time of their life all the time. The real ones out there like me and you, (laughs) we'll tell it as it is. It's not always easy, but it is worth it to keep going. Oh, I know. When I started this podcast, it was a major taboo tapping into, you know, talking about people's traumas. You know, of course, the purpose of the podcast is how you went from trauma to triumph. But most people don't talk about this stuff. Even I realize I shifted in my post on Facebook. I try to find good balance and I let people know every day is not a fucking great day. And that's the reality. Absolutely. Every day is not a goddamn great day. And that's just what it is. But I like how you said comparison is a killer for a lot of people. And we all do it. I have done it. And people are doing it presently and will continue to do it. Um, The quote you said in your book, would you speak to your friends the way you speak to um, yourself? Yourself. All right. So what we're going to do is we are going to be wrapping up. Susie, you provided us quite a few piece of nuggets here. Doing something you want to do 
doing something you want that you are not already doing is part of stepping out of your comfort zone, which is huge. And I like that. Um, I like all the piece of nuggets you provided with us today. Um, Some great inspiration for somebody that's going out there. And Susie, remember, your story is unique. Someone is going to resonate with your story. Everyone's story is unique and it's not the same. And that's what makes this world perfectly imperfect, I like to call it, because someone's going to resonate from your story. Like, oh my God, if Susie could do it, I could do it because they're going through the same exact situation. Someone's going to relate with you. So as always, listeners, Susie, I want to thank you again for being a guest. And listeners, I would like to thank you for listening. And as always, love yourself, voice yourself, and be yourself to the next podcast. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Fumpale Podcast. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I want to hear from you. Head on over to the website or join our Facebook community and comment your favorite part of the show or share your thoughts. I want to hear what you have to say. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Chat with you next week. 